I think that everybody needs to take a minute to ask yourself whether your grandpa is evil. are listening to Watching Movies at the Bar, a podcast about bar movies and movie bars. I am Thomas Grabinski, and I am joined by, as always, my esteemed, now Twitter-verified co-host, Bethy Squires. Bethy, let's talk about it. How does that feel? Hi, Thomas. It feels normal. Um, You know, I'm one of those lowly journalists with a low follow count and a verified profile so let's get that everybody follow <laughs> bethy and make it look like i'm less of a fraud please thank you in advance here's here's what i will say though and i don't want to be punching down but one of my good buddies from college uh writes for a publication in iowa and he is verified as a newspaper writer but he has like 800 followers or something and none of them cool so you are they're all ears of corn <laughs> uh, and they each each has its own phone <laughs> So I'm really excited about tonight's episode, and I'm going to have fun burying the lead. Don't want to tell anyone what it is yet. Uh, so in the meantime, I'm going to introduce our guest. Uh, tonight we are joined by Amanda Hasica, uh, who is a social media maven, according to Bethy, and by extension, Amanda, and runs the Instagram account Disneyland Foodies, which uh, I understand is a ripper. Amanda, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I thought we'd landed on Vixen, social media Vixen. That's okay. <laughs> should That's we, sorry, okay. should we run this back? <laughs> Absolutely. Please. Please. Hello. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Amanda, I love that we met by being fans of other podcasts, and now you are on my podcast. So it's really beautifully full circle. And I think we met in a bar. I think the yeah. first time we met. Where was that bar? I don't even remember. It was Crawford's. You were going okay, to a yes. show, and I was just hanging out with somebody else that I know who hosts a different podcast. Yep. A fourth podcast. Wait, yep. Amanda, were you going to a show at the now-deceased bootleg theater? No, it was, um, what's that theater that is across from Chuck E. Cheese downtown? Dynasty Typewriter. Dynasty Typewriter. I could not think of the name. It's been so long since I've been to it. I think that Chuck E. Cheese is deceased now, too. R.I.P. Yeah. All over the place, man. <laughs> they didn't have animatronics, though, so were they really a Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, isn't that the, like, yeah, there's categories, and I feel like a category of the Chuck E. Cheese with no animatronics, like, it doesn't technically count. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately but yeah i i the first time we met irl i was i was going to a podcast the ride live show at dynasty typewriter and there was a meetup at crawford's before and i remember you were there and we met and we chatted and i feel like we've been kind of internet pals ever since yes uh you are a theme park head i'm a theme park head a friend of the pod clay color also a theme park head and we're gonna get clay, what's up what's up you you bastard <laughs> Hope you're having fun out there. Sorry, back to you, <laughs> Bethy. Oh, I was just saying that we're going to get you because I'm going to take you for Berry Fest Knots. It's happening. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I would love to go to Berry Fest. Boys and Berry Festival is is a great time. So fun. It is funny with you being a theme park head that we are doing. I, I just am going to spoil really quick what this movie is. Tonight we'll be talking about John Turtletob's Three Ninjas, but there is a Three Ninjas sequel 
starring Hulk Hogan called Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Absolutely. Which is dog shit and, and has recast the kids with somehow less charming child actors. Anyway, that's something else. But uh, yeah, we're talking about Three Ninjas. That was, I've yet to see that one. I've seen Three Ninjas. I've seen Three Ninjas Knuckle Up. Have you seen Kickback? Yet to, I have not seen Kickback. Ooh. I think once they switched Rocky out, I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. I think that's fair. Prefer the OGs. I mean, yeah. respect the OGs. These kids, uh, the kids in the movie love movies, but they're too young to watch them in bars. You know who's not? Bethy. Uh, <laughs> Bethy, was that, how was that? Was that smooth? Yeah, that, I think that was a normal one. I did watch a movie in a bar yesterday. Thomas, I feel I should say. Oh, shit. What was it? It was The Warriors. It was playing at Bordner's. Good movie. That's a good bar movie. Yeah, because it's just a bunch of weird set pieces. You don't really have to be following. It's just like, this time they're fighting baseball weirdos. This time they're fighting ladies. Incredible work. And it's like, it has the kind of visual storytelling we say plays so well on mute, because all of them have distinct uniforms. You know who each of the factions is. You don't really need to hear the dialogue to know what's going on in the Warriors, although there's, you know, lots of uh, fun lines in there. And it was great because I was controlling the jukebox, so while we were watching, you know, these these Warriors, like... Dust it up. I was putting on like Boys by Charlie XCX and Colin was <laughs> calling me a madman for doing so, but I regret nothing. That is the best of both worlds right there. <laughs> Amanda, what is your experience of watching movies at bars? Is that something that you've ever done before? Is it a fun time? So I definitely, I, the last time I distinctly remember watching a movie in a bar, I don't know if this entirely counts, but I was at the Taco Bell Cantina in Vegas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this sounds and- like it counts. <laughs> And uh, it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder version. Um, I just remember we were sitting at the upstairs part. My sister and I were we were sharing an alcoholic Baja Blast in a very large, um, like those large plastic containers. And and but it was like one of those things where they had like eight different screens. So I think there was like a sports game on one, and then Willy Wonka on the other. And I feel like that's another good one. It's very visually has a lot going on, you know, and you, you know, you, like you said, there's all these set pieces where it's like each kid has their own situation. Mm-hmm. There's Augustus Gloop and he gets sucked up the thing. And then there's, you know, Viola Beauregard and all. So definitely one I think you could get away with watching without any kind of context or any kind of sound or anything like that. But that's the last time I distinctly, distinctly remember watching a movie in a bar uh i feel like a lot of the bars i go to again circling it back to theme parks are like at disneyland or in the parks and they don't have a lot of tvs in there but i do i live close to um cues in brentwood i probably spent every saturday night of my life there from the time from like 2011 to 2013 and they have a bunch of tvs there and so i don't really like i'm sure they were just showing movies constantly but um yeah, that's definitely a place to kind of post up and and just mindlessly mindlessly watch things on the screen. So, but yeah. <laughs> that's so funny to see Willy Wonka at the Taco Bell Cantina, a place that does sort of try and be like the chocolate factory of Taco Bell. Definitely going for like, like we're eccentric business weirdos and we're doing this for fun and not profit. Right. Well, to bring it back to 
podcast right a little bit they talked about tooth sums have you you know about tooth sums oh i know about tooth sums i'm scared to go there it'll never get built but you know tell me i don't know what this is so tooth sums is like a steampunk restaurant slash confectionery they they sell treats and you can get macaroons and cupcakes but it's also like a sit down you know i'd say like akin to a cheesecake factory gastropub yeah yeah so i actually went to the so it's and apparently like the creators or the writers someone from willy wonka it's very willy wonka inspired you could see how how they definitely i think took a few took a few pages from the willy wonka book for toothsums but i went there in florida last month legitimately good like like i had a burger and a rice crispy milkshake hmm Excellent. So when the City Walk one opens, I will probably be first in line. Like that is absolutely a place I will be frequenting. Not a bar per se, but I, I would be curious to see if they did have televisions there. Thomas, just to fill you in a little bit more, it the full name of the place is Toothsome's mm. Chocolate Emporium. So it's like even more obviously Willy Wonka ripoff shit. <laughs> it sounds very perverted to me. <laughs> Well, they have these, like, characters. I didn't see them while I was there in Florida, but they have these characters who walk around, like, you know, like, actors who are literally in, like, steampunk costumes and interact with the with the diners. So, I don't know. I love a themed experience. Like, how can you not, you know? It just adds a little something. Like, why why just go to Cheesecake Factory when you could go to, like, Cheesecake Factory, but also have someone in steampunk clothes <laughs> talking to you and yeah. starting up a conversation you know yeah i'm just i'm trying to think of a themed restaurant experience like that that i've enjoyed and i'm thinking of like <laughs> tam o'shanter in yeah. the lead up to christmas With when the, the carolers. carolers move around but like i i think i want them to sing me god rest ye merry gentlemen and suddenly i feel claustrophobic as these three adult human beings in strange robes are like leaning over the table and i'm just a captive audience for like two minutes <laughs> no. I, that would not bother me in the slightest <laughs> you welcome it in fact you i think a little it. bit that i'm sitting in there standing is like a little bit stressful but the concept <sighs> of being specifically caroled at i can really fuck with I, I don't think i can deal with like the one like violin player or like a full mariachi band coming to my table specifically, but caroling already has like a weird energy to it. That's like, what's one more level of weirdness that I'm dining and not involved in this at all. Are they dressed up? Do the carolers dress? They're like in Dickensian okay. garb. Oh, wow. Then what more can you ask for? For sure. Yeah. Maybe it's my problem that the novelty <laughs> of that experience is subsumed by like raging anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of three weird guys, <laughs> perfect. Tonight, Boom. <laughs> like I said, we're talking Three Ninjas, which is a movie that meant so much to me as a kid. I, I watched this more than maybe anything else um, growing up, with the exception of like Return of the Jedi. So I, I started watching this the other night, and every line of dialogue was just like in my head already. So, Amanda, I would love to hear about your relationship with this movie. When I saw this as uh, one of your proposed topics of conversation, I was like, we got to do it. There's no other option. No one's going to pick this again. Yeah, I feel like we have very similar uh, backgrounds with Three Ninjas. This was this movie was probably, oh my gosh, 
like this movie was my personality for probably a good two years. Um, <laughs> I, my sister, so I'm one of three sisters. So we felt a connection there. They have three brothers. It's three boys. So we were like, you know, we felt a parallel there. Um, this movie was in heavy, heavy rotation for my sisters and I on VHS for sure. We would even go as far as to like, like the part where they are doing like the, the karate moves and the ninja moves, like at that little, sh- like the shipping container, I even know you would call it. Like we would literally like pretend to do that. And literally, yeah, like you said, every line of dialogue was just like burned into my brain. Every beat of this movie, I'm like, and this happens <laughs> and this happens. So this was, I have a very fond, fond connection to this movie. Did you ever give yourselves ninja names? You know, we didn't. We probably should have. I think we just sort of went still I'm the can. middle child. I know. There's, there's, I, I need to think of one. Oh, so you're a cult is what you're saying, Amanda. You are the cult. Exactly. So I think we just, since, like I said, I have an older sister and a younger sister. So I think we just were like, well, Jenna's Rocky because she's the oldest. And then there's me and I'm Colt and Kara's Tum Tum. Like, that's just how it goes. But yeah, I also, when I was researching this, I had no idea that John Turtletaub directed this movie and i am the yeah. biggest oh, national yeah. treasure head there is so that was a, i was like no wonder this movie slaps so hard like it's it's in good hands <laughs> yeah turtle taps had a really interesting career i think you know the national treasure duology is obviously the high point but he made this this was his third feature i believe and then after this he made cool runnings um, a few movies later came National Treasure, and then he made The Meg a few years ago, which I think is actually like more fun than I think its reputation suggests. But yeah, Turtle Tab is like a guy who's never made, I think, like a great movie, but he's made like a lot of beat, like, you know, beloved, yeah, 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 fun movies, if not, yeah, like, totally, formally perfect movies. But Bethy, when you asked if uh, Amanda and her sisters ever gave themselves ninja names, it reminds me that I famously told my dad when I was a kid that I was going to eventually have three children. <laughs> they were all going to be boys, and I was going to name them Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum. Wow. Uh, which are the names of the uh, three ninjas in question. And that is, like, deeply embarrassing, but also, like, what a thing for a little kid to say. <laughs> so was that the first time you felt your paternal instincts kick in, Was was this movie? That was actually the first time I felt my paternal instincts kick back. I, I see what you did there. Excellent. Thank you. I, I'm trying to think of something with knuckle up, but I'm, com- I'm coming up I short. Know, I'm coming up going. short here. So Three Ninjas is a fascinating cultural document in that it is very clearly uh, a hybrid of two uh, very successful movies of the era, which is Home Alone and the Ninja Turtles. And like that was that was just the whole thing. They're like, well, you know, we've had success in these two arenas. So how about a uh, how about Home Alone, but with jump kicks and the Home Alone stuff in this movie is great. I don't think I ever, like, I hadn't watched the movie from beginning to end in a very, very long time since last night. And, and I think the way Home Alone is just like in our consciousness now, where it just literally airs 800 times every Christmas, I don't think I ever really truly made the, I, I think I subconsciously made the connection, but you really, (laughs) like, sitting down and watching it last night, you're like, oh, they 100% saw Home Alone and said, we got to do, we're doing Home Alone. Like, how can we fit this into the movie? Because it's just the antics and, and the pranks and everything. It's just like to a T Home Alone. And now they own both. So 
Hats off. I was honestly thinking about that too. Like, I'm surprised they haven't tried to reboot this in any way, shape, or form, or like, not even like a reunion of of any kind. It's just kind of quietly sitting there. It, it's it's like a kind of movie for kids though that is of a bygone era, and that it's like filled with guns. Oh my god! And like mortal peril. It's like there there are lots of things in this that you don't see in like live action family movies now, and it's all like pre-Columbine and stuff. There's, like, some pretty deranged, violent stuff in this movie that, like, I certainly didn't think anything of as a kid, but watching now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. A lot of guns. (laughs) A lot of guns. Which, it's a a Disney movie, so you're like, oh, they would never in a million years do anything remotely like this now. It wasn't Disney at the time. It was Touchstone. Oh, Touchstone, okay. okay. But... Which is, like, their young adult label. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then also, I I was looking into it, too, and they were saying how they would, like, to lighten the the violence they like added sound effects to everything which again was something i didn't really like really register until last night where it's like boing like if they like kick someone in the chest it's like oh my god fucking slide whistles (laughs) as people go flying through the air it's like the sound design itself is fucking unhinged bethy i am so curious to know what your experience was watching this movie because to my understanding you don't have the nostalgic connection. You didn't watch this movie as a kid, right? No, I had never watched this movie until two nights ago. But in the same way that, Amanda, you made this movie your personality for two years, I think I made Cool Runnings oh. my personality for, like, a couple years. <laughs> but, like, not the correct years, like, older. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> cool Runnings yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool Runnings used to be my cry button if I needed to, like, cry. Like, if if... If I was feeling like uh, I I want to cry, but I can't quite get there, I need something to push me over the edge, whether it's like acting or like just generally like I would love to get this sadness out of me. I would love to externalize this. Uh, I would think about the scene in Cool Runnings where the guy finds out he can't live in Buckingham Palace. Where he's like, he's been working his whole life to like live and he has this postcard. He's like, I'm going to live here someday. And then this guy is laughing at him. It's like, it's Buckingham Palace, you idiot. And he feels so foolish and so sad. And he worked his whole life to do this. And now people are laughing at him about it. And I'm not crying right now, but it is effort on my part to not. Something about that scene just fucks with me every single goddamn time. Um, So it was nice to help fill out the turtle tob of for me this time. I had a great time. I thought it was so silly i think because i am such like a not just a park head but a thomas you're gonna love this this is another time where i'm talking about the disney corporate structure <laughs> <laughs> this is a classic uh michael eisner singles and doubles strategy movie very few big names it's just like one veteran stunt performer and one pro wrestler those are like the two big name actors and then everybody else is relative unknowns and uh you know cute delivers what's not to like i love the valley boys i think they're they're like syntax like the their flowery language is so funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're they're amazing they're also like throwaway lines that get kind of lost in the sound mix that i never like caught as a kid but like there's a scene where they're playing on the playground and uh i think colt says schwarzenegger could kill anybody (laughs) Did either of you hear this? No, I missed that. that. I missed they're that. Like constantly, they're like talking about the movie stars of the day constantly and in like really violent terms. They're like, this is what kids talk about. And I kind of think in the 90s it was. Oh, that is what kids but... talked about for sure. Absolutely. Amanda, I don't know if you noticed this, but the lackey guy looked just like Jeffrey Katzenberg. 
The with the beard? Oh my god. Oh the, the Fest- glasses man. Okay. Snyder's dude. Snyder's Fester's lackey. Uncle. Fester's uncle. uncle. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I absolutely see it now. We're gonna put that on the Instagram when this goes up. I I've <laughs> saved a couple pictures of Katzenberg and it's like uncanny. They look identical at that time. <laughs> Was was Cat or was he still there? Like, would that have been an I uh, Michael Eisner note of like, let's make the evil person look like Jeffrey Katzenberg? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was when he was still there. That was even when Frank Wells was still alive. So like, the family was still intact. So oh, wow. it was more gentle ribbing and not like, I hate this fucking guy. Let's vilify him in Three Ninjas. There's something there on on some level subconsciously. I'm sure where I mm-hmm. I don't think that was a mistake or an accident. So. We're talking about the movie quite a bit, but we haven't given uh, the uninitiated a framework to understand what this is. Amanda, are you interested in taking a crack at a plot summary, just to contextualize some of this conversation? I would love to. My sister and I were talking about it earlier, so I and I, she was like, "What's it about again?" And I sort of was like, "Well, this is what it's about." So it's about there is a an evil guy named Snyder. The FBI is after him, and um, there is this man. Okay, you know I'm doing a horrible job. I said <laughs> I I said it so much better to my sister earlier. Okay, no. So basically, there is a man who is teaching his three grandchildren ninja basics, and he is kind of entangled with this criminal of sorts that the FBI is after. And the person at the FBI who is after this war criminal happens to be the husband of the ninja master's wife or daughter is daughter. <laughs> A lot, lot of things going on. And so basically it becomes kind of like a kidnapping plot movie of, you know, the war criminal wants to get the FBI off his back. So he's like, let's kidnap these kids. And the kids use their ninja skills to fight back. It was horrible. No, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. Um, the, the people they conscript to do the kidnapping are the fucking best. Yeah. Hammer, Marcus, and Fester, to me, are an iconic trio. Basically, it's just like the nephew of the guy who operates this crime syndicate and his two bonehead friends who, like, surf and listen to Metallica. And, like, I don't know. They're constantly just, like, robbing convenience stores, but in a way that is, like, very sort of relaxed and goofy. Yeah. When they're, like, they literally are robbing that convenience store and then he asks the man he's robbing, sir, can I use your telephone? <laughs> and he's, you know, they're, they're polite. They're, they're, they're robbers and they're criminals and they're thieves, but they have their manners. Like when they're kidnapping the children, they're like, they, they could probably be pretty nice kids. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're eating a pizza and they say, we should save some of this for the kids we're napping. And the other yep. guy says, yeah, they're probably pretty nice kids. <laughs> They just have this, like, really endearing, like, doofy quality, but, like, always in a way that feels, like, really dialed. Like, I think all three of them are super funny. Yeah. And, like, that's ultimately what, like, makes the movie work and hold up for me is that the kids are cast very well and those three boneheads are cast really well. And, like, the the movie has, like, all of the setup and then, like, the middle section is the Home Alone shit. And then they end up on, like, a freighter. With like all of the ninjas, yeah, the ninja that are boat, like you know in the em- employ of the like munitions dealer, and that stuff to me is the stuff that holds up the least. But like the Home Alone shit, I still think like is a barn burner. That's one hundred percent my thought process watching it last night. Like once the kids were like genu- like actually kidnapped, 
I was like, eh, this is a little boring to me because, you know, it's just a lot of the fighting and it's like trying to get the, there were, there were some good hijinks though. Like when they're in that cell and Rocky is able to like get them out. Like I was like, oh, that's like fun and like quick thinking how they're able to like finagle their way out of that. But yeah, I totally agree. Like the first two thirds is excellent. And then the, the last part, you're a little like, okay. Cause it, 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 for a kid's movie, that's like about ninjas and, and like learning, you know, karate tactics. It's very plot heavy and very, pl- like, I think as a kid, you're watching it and you're not really like thinking too much about it. You're just like, these guys seem like they're having fun. And yeah, yeah. you like really like when you like take a step back, you're like, Oh, it's like pretty detailed. And when I was trying to explain it, I'm like, this is kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, uh, it's like backstory that you find out like as the movie is going on like you you don't at first know that the evil guy and the grandpa like have a past and you find out honestly in the funniest way i've ever seen in a movie like (laughs) middle son colt is like talking is in his dad's office and is like talking to his mom it's like why can't dad come hang out with us he's like oh he has to go do fbi stuff he's trying to catch this bad guy and he's like what does this guy even look like and the mom's like oh his file's right there go ahead and read it (laughs) yeah i mean security clearance does not matter security schmearance yeah and um and so he looks and it's this picture of the evil guy and his grandparents, his grandma and grandpa, all like posing together for a happy photo. And he's like, Oh my God, my grandpa is like in collusion with an arms dealer. <laughs> What's going on? And none of that stuff even really makes sense. Like their, their past and like why they would have been friends. It's all just like this really tenuous connection. Like, yeah. Oh, they both they were, were at ninja good school at karate. Together, yeah. 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 But it's like, Come on, just let's have the kids make guys have diarrhea and slip on jelly beans. Colt was very quick to judge his grandfather. Colt was like, he is a criminal, you guys. Like, he is doing bad shit and we can't trust him. Like, okay, Google. I'd like to say that as a middle child, I'm more trusting than that, but. I think that everybody needs to take a minute to ask yourself whether your grandpa is evil. Because <laughs> it's, it's a not zero chance that your grandpa is evil like i just said the thing about oh oh no my grandpa was in collusion with arms dealers and like oh wait no my grandpa was in collusion with arms dealers but it was during world war ii so i think it's fine i don't know my my grandpa helped uh (laughs) helped run guns for the communist army in china during like the war with japan and we still have like a like so they were (laughs) They were like chipping roots, like uh, pieces off of like temples and selling them. And I guess my grandpa was helping with that, I guess. And so there's like all these weird stories we have about like what grandpa was doing during the war. <laughs> Sounds like your grandpa went sicko mode. He was known for it. <laughs> my grandfather owned a Christmas tree farm, but I mean, it could have been a front for something. I have no clue, you know. There could have been some nefarious stuff going on there. Yeah, I but. wonder whether Christmas tree farming would be even good for money laundering or whether the overhead is too high. Yeah, that's true. Because it takes a lot of, I mean, you got to plant all the trees. It's not, you know, it's not um, a passive um, scam, I guess, you know. Yeah. Well, then I take it back. He didn't do anything <laughs> Never wrong. mind. Grandpa innocent. <laughs> 
For the listeners, something you may not be seeing is that I am currently cat-sitting for a little angel who keeps uh, getting between me and the microphone. So just imagine it. Imagine a little white marshmallow-looking cat, and uh, you'll be right here with us. And it's also getting between you and the camera and occasionally kind of showing hole to the camera so we can't see you. <laughs> We're just seeing Toomey's asshole. Toomey's, uh, yeah, Toomey's, Toomey's a Toomey's cam girl. pretty brazen in that way. Um, also, the notes that I've taken are now like indecipherable because of the way Toomey stomped on the keyboard. Like somehow the cursor moved around enough that it's just, there no no more three ninjas facts on this computer. So there is, <laughs> thank you to me. You're, you're very sweet. What's that? It's like that line in Titanic. It only lives now in your memory. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Wait, hold it up one more time. I want to get a picture. Toby. <laughs> oh my God. There's a great sequence in this movie that I don't want to gloss over as we're talking about the larger pieces, which is the pickup basketball game to settle a beef with the bullies once and for all. That is a fucking insane scene. The the one teen with the earrings, I don't know his name. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. He looks like, and even when I was watching it as a kid, he looks like he's like 25. He looks five years older. Yeah. <laughs> I had that thought last night. He looks quite old. Everyone else is like, feels like a kid. He does not. He feels mid-twenties at the, at the youngest. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Those bullies are scary and look a hundred years old. But basically, Rocky and Colt have a two-on-two pickup game with these bullies, and they like set the parameters. And Rocky decides to give them a nine-point lead <laughs> in a pickup game to ten, which is insane. Doesn't even begin to make sense. But suddenly he's like swatting every one of their shots and like dunking from the three point line. It's, it's like kookier than the third act of Space Jam, but these are just like real children who have like done karate for two weeks. Yeah. So that makes them automatically good at basketball, obviously. Yeah, I guess you're right. Isn't it more like, you know, Rocky's like, you guys, like we have to. Like, remember our karate teachings. Like, that's how we're going to win this. And we're not going to... Because Colch like, let's beat him up. Let's beat the shit out of him. And Rocky's like, no, we have to be, like, disciplined. But, no, I agree. It's entirely ridiculous. This movie is so, like, entrenched in that early 90s conception of martial arts as, like, this self-discipline, never used for <laughs> violence. Uh, like... And also the thing that all kids do after school, like karate fever ran through the suburbs during this time. I'm sure this movie had something to do with it, too. Yeah. I mean, did you enroll in karate classes after watching this? No, but I did have <laughs> I did have my little white karate outfit and I didn't know how to do anything, but uh, I wore it. Yeah, because I mean, karate moves, they sort of feel like you could do them just with no formal training like you just kind of kick and <laughs> some arm things like you don't need to you know be like a zen master like to no you do kind you of absolutely need to be a zen master but it's it's so fun like yeah there were so many different like martial arts schools that were like each one had like a movie because like teenage mutant ninja turtles and then there were like some that were like about little kid kung fu guys, and I'm sure there was like a jujitsu one and like taekwondo. taekwondo I think one. was pretty popular. Yeah, I mean, literally, literally the Karate Kid. You know, like mm -hmm. that's its own thing. But for all of them, it's like 
I'm going to teach you how to kill someone with your finger. Don't. That's like a core of all of them is like, hey, I'm going to make your hands murder weapons, but <laughs> you can never, ever, ever use these skills that I that have very little non-fighting application. <laughs> yeah, you're expressly forbidden from doing a Roadhouse-style throat rip, which is uh, why these movies aren't as cool as Roadhouse. <laughs> Although he's technically not allowed to do that either. It goes poorly for him. Right. Well, that's like I just think of that mannequin at the beginning with the, when the eye, the mannequin that like eyes light up and everything when you like hit certain points or whatever. Like I just that seeing that I hadn't seen that image in decades and I saw it last night and it was like it was just brand new in my mind. It was just like no, like no time had passed. <laughs> and then and then I do like how at the end like when they are you know, spoiler alert, you know, like using these moves on and then they're kind of like flashing to like the dings of the guy's eyes. Yeah. So I was like that's it's like fun. the clunkiest setup and payoff. Like any. <laughs> oh, you don't like Chekhov's all, nut shot? <laughs> all of the like, all of the plot stuff in the movie is like, I don't know. I mean, I can't criticize this. It's like a movie for literal babies. <laughs> but, yeah. but if you, uh, if, if you take a, a magnifier to what they're doing, it's a little clumsy. It's it's also very funny what they what this movie thinks ninjas are. <laughs> like when they have to do like when when grandpa has them do the ninja code and it's like a ninja is, loves nature and a ninja is respectful. I'm like this is not this is just factually inaccurate. A ninja there is some debate as to whether or not ninjas ever really existed, but like the idea that most people have come to is like ninjas were hired assassins who pretended to be gardeners so they could get to rich people and kill them in their sleep. It is not a particularly honorable or harmonious path to walk. So ninjas don't shove candy in their uh, opponents' throats to throw them off and then ultimately win a battle? That's not what ninjas do? I don't believe the jelly bean technique was like huge in feudal Japan. No. Okay, for sure, for sure. Uh, Which is, you know... Why ninjas historically were not as successful as the three young ninjas in this movie. And circling back again, the idea that ninjas have their own ninja name, that they like forego their birth names and only go by their ninja name from now on. First of all, you're not, people aren't supposed to know you're a ninja. It's, (laughs) it's a secret, but also I love the idea of, of being named by like your sensei. And that's just your name for the rest of your life. And I feel <laughs> so bad for Tum Tum. I mean, he's <laughs> he's thriving right now, but the, like calling somebody Tum Tum is just a recipe for an eating disorder. Like, <laughs> I worry about Tum Tum. I do. He's fine now. I relate to Tum Tum in that I too am addicted to sugar. Like, I absolutely would walk around with a licorice hanging out of my mouth if it were socially acceptable. Amanda, was that a choked on a jelly bean line? Something that was oft quoted you at your house. Don't even understand. <laughs> I, like <laughs> choked on a jelly bean. That and Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves, loves Emily. Emily. Rocky and then also loves. the going back to the basketball like pickups uh, thing when the guy goes, "Hey horsey, how about some hay?" Laugh. Like <laughs> laugh. <laughs> laugh. There was also one scene, I don't know if you noticed this, but we, as kids, as probably, I don't know, six-year-old, seven-year-old watching this movie, when Colt gets pushed down during the basketball scene, he gets up, he, like, kind of grabs his crotch, and we would, like, rewind that, and we were like, oh my god, that's so funny! We just, we, you know, 
As as children, I thought that was hysterical. Because it is. I mean, yeah. What, what can you do? <laughs> so Rocky, the eldest of the three ninjas, has a like a, a a fancy tin can phone with the neighbor girl Emily, who he loves. And there's a moment where the three kidnappers are getting their asses beat. So they have to figure out some sort of leverage. So they kidnap this neighbor girl, but they lure her over by using the tin can phone. And Fester has this line that like has just been in my head forever where he just goes, <laughs> come over, come over to my house right away. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like, I, I, I like literally jotted down all the quotes that we, we would say that choked on a jelly bean. And then like when the instant diarrhea, like when they're uh, during the home alone stuff, when he fills up the, the cup with X lax or whatever and Tum Tum goes, mm, this stuff is good. Like I literally, if I eat something yeah. that I like, I will say mm, this stuff is good. <laughs> There's also like, Sorry, it's not like just <laughs> yeah. a quote-a-thon here, but like I, I just realized I think the single best line in the movie is when they're like looking around for the kids in the house and they say, we don't want to <laughs> hurt you, we just want to <laughs> yeah. kidnap you. It's like very funny and kind of iconic. What works about the kidnappers is that they don't feel like super duper threatening because I think I think it helps ease yeah. you into like the idea of them actually being kidnapped by like real criminals because you just see this and you're like oh they're fun and like the kids are outsmarting them and and you know you're not like you don't feel threatened in that way for them but then it it does move on but yeah I think they're just so fun and hilarious and just though I feel like the one guy who's the like the blonde guy uh Marcus Marcus he Marcus is just like along for the ride he literally I feel like he does not speak one word while they're there <laughs> <laughs> Fester and, and the other one are, are uh stars of the show yeah my guys yeah I, it is funny how there is sort of like the delineation between like the schmageggies for the home alone part and then there's like the real ninjas on the boat are just who are with uh, Snyder all the time. But I love that, again, not um, in a way that betrays actual, like, stealth assassin work. They're always in, like, full, shiny ninja costumes. They're all, like, the ninja costumes that everyone wears are so shiny in this movie. They're made of, like, silk or something, or, like, rayon. It's, like, very shiny, probably very loud fabric. But they like they'll like pour out of a limo. <laughs> my one of my favorite scenes, honestly, it's like not even like the the lines in the movie are incredible, but the visuals are also completely buck. That uh, <laughs> that that they 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 pull up in a limo to this ninja boat, and like five five ninjas come out of the front and they open the door for Snyder and Jeffrey Katzenberg and one ninja has a martini and a glass of port ready for each of them as they can serve Snyder's martini and your glass of port and then they like walk onto the gangplank carrying their evil hen- like their evil guy drinks it's so funny <laughs> it's just typical ninja stuff Bethy yeah. Yeah. Really standard issue ninja stuff. I don't know why I'm being such a dick about this. Your letterbox review killed me, which is just every movie should have a limo full of ninjas. <laughs> am I, it should. Am I fucking that all up? better. <laughs> no, I believe that. I think that's what's really uh, was missing. I think that's probably why House of Gucci got snubbed. 100%. You're right. Absolutely. 
even just a ninja in that movie, I think, mm-hmm. could have upped its chances. It's like, like there's a lot of limos, but where's the ninjas? Yeah. Holding martinis. <laughs> they need to coincide for it really to, you know, pop off. Um, one thing I was wondering watching this back, I don't know how what you guys would think about this. Do you think the mom and Snyder had any kind of history? Like, do you think the mom do you think the mom knew who Snyder was or no? Because I was like, what if there's like this extra layer of she like her and Snyder had a thing, and that's why the dad is extra hates him. Snyder has a really nasty line about that. He like that. threatens to assault sexually her. assault her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what does he say? I I probably missed that. What did he say? It's at the very beginning. He Snyder when he's when he's doing his first big threatening of the oh, grandpa. Okay, okay, he's okay. like, you know, it would be a shame if someone killed your whole family or like killed you and the husband, and then there would be no one to defend your daughter's honor. It's like, damn, oh. dude. Jesus. Well, I, that was one thing I was like, oh, shit. Like, do, does the mom know who Snyder even is? Or is this something, you know, like, is that not even... I don't know if there's any kind of backstory there that I missed or that they left out. But it's probably not that deep. I mean, I could see it. I could see maybe that's could be, you know, they were they were doing ninja stuff together. He was sort of, like, engaged to be engaged to her. But then she fell for this non-ninja asshole FBI guy, and it drives him to the dark side. The FBI, though, as an agency, is dumb as shit in this movie. (laughs) Like, first of all, if they have this personal connection, why the fuck would Sam be tasked (laughs) as, like, the field agent? Also, clearly Sam has fucked up multiple times because this is, like, not his first run-in with Snyder. So they, like, storm the warehouse but don't have anyone stationed on the roof. And so Snyder just, like, gets away. It's like, they're dumb as fuck. I mean, it is pretty badass when Snyder, like, just hangs onto the ladder from that's hanging out of the helicopter and yes. he just flies away. I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Team Snyder. <after> <laughs> I do wish that I knew more why Douglas, the FBI man, despises martial arts. He just hates it so much. He truly, like, oh, I'm sorry your kids have a hobby they're passionate about and really like. I'm sorry they're connecting to their Asian heritage, you dickwad. Right? Right? He just doesn't get it. It's it's upsetting. I want those kids. (laughs) 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 Oh, so good. The FBI. Ha <laughs> Nice of you to stop in. No, it was drop in because oh, then yeah, the yeah, ninjas yeah. drop in. He does like two or three puns in that one scene. He's doing like real mustache twirling villain yeah. stuff, which I like. I like it. It's like a live action movie for kids with like a real sense of peril, but like all of the bad guys are just cartoons. Oh, including Rushmore, the guy who says nothing until the very end, who just stands there menacing until the very end, oh, and yeah. then the three kids try and <laughs> attack him and it's it rushmore is the villain who they eventually have to use the nard kicking training that he was getting (laughs) getting with their grandpa at the beginning of the movie and not only nard kicking but the the two brothers rocky and colt take their youngest brother tum tum and use him as a battering ram on that man's testicles (laughs) it's incredible and they turtle top knows it's fucked up because they don't show contact they like cut to just rushmore going ooh. <laughs> what, what i wonder i forget what kind of a uh, sound effect they use for that like, <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i 
I definitely, like, I tend to do this now. Like, as I've gotten older, you start to, like, Google actors' ages of, like, when the movie came out or when they filmed it. And I was like, if Snyder is, like, 30 years old, I'm going to jump off a building. But he was 45 when it came out. I was like, okay, I don't feel as... Because you just never know. You truly... Like, the mom was probably, like... 33 or something like I didn't even look it up but it just makes you feel so ancient because you're watching these movies to me oh my god is that sorry um, that's fester today uh, <gasps> Whoa. Oh, wow, 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 wow. if you're listening open letterboxd go to john turtle tops <laughs> three ninjas scroll down to the character named fester and look at the actor's photo he's older not silver fox but like silver fox adjacent. he looks distinguished <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so I feel like you know watching it when you're a kid to me, any adult was just, like, 40 years old and older. Like, you know, like, you, like so to me, Fester and all those guys, like, they were 40. Like, they were so old, but I'm sure that they were, like, in their 20s when they did that. And it just, it's wild to think about how young they were. I want to talk about how uh Adam's Family, Three Ninjas, and then Adam's Family Values, there was a three-year uninterrupted streak of dudes named Fester in, like, family-friendly blockbusters. It was the Fester era it's, of cinema. Because it's, like, not a name. It's a gross word that means wound get worse. They really <laughs> like, blew that streak. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it should have been the next three ninjas job. They were supposed to, like, do it back and forth forever. And they slipped. It's funny. When I hear Fester in this movie, though, I don't think of, like, a festering wound. I think mm-hmm. of just, like, a dopey name for, like, a little boy. Like, I guess, Nestor. But I think probably the reason is because I saw this movie before I had ever heard the word Fester. Yeah, I think that's what happened to me, too, with Uncle Fester. But, like, Mm. all of the names of the Adams Family people are, like, supposed to be weird and gross. So it was, like, weird that someone was named Fester, and it was weird someone was named Morticia. But if you encounter them before you encounter, yes, the idea of, oh, festering wound, then you're just like, oh, so that wound's an uncle? I'm confused. Also, Morticia, beautiful name. Gorgeous name. (laughs) Gorgeous, gorgeous gowns. What's the, what's at the, is it the, at the end of Adam's family or Adam's family values and Fester's new girlfriend's like dementia or whatever? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Truly, I hadn't seen that movie from beginning to end in a really long time and I think I watched it a couple years ago and they were like dementia and I just literally started cackling. So funny. And the baby in Adam's family values is named Pubert. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> literally a perfect name Hubert <laughs> like if I really stopped and thought about that name for long enough like I would probably just pass out from laughing so hard so funny I wanted to talk a little bit more about the the big set piece of the movie the the whole home alone middle Invasion. of the movie is incredible the scene where uh it's Colt is in like a white karate gi and he paints his ninja mask white and he's in an all white room with white like drapery over everything and he just does like a full like three stooges on these jabronis it's good it's really good and i'm glad they gave it to colt because he's the best one at actually selling punches like he can fight adults he can sell fighting adults better than the other two yeah. Tum Tum, you're sort of like, okay, I'm not, how old is Tum Tum? Probably seven years old. Yeah. You're like, this guy is not actually doing any in, like bodily harm to anybody. Let's be real. Tum Tum's there for a dorms factor. Rocky is there to get the like tween girls because he has the romance plot. And then Colt is the actual <laughs> fighter guy. Right. 
Well, I, I love the way it starts off. It starts off with the babysitter, like classic 90s, you know, stick in the mud babysitter. She has curlers in her hair. She's like <laughs> full parents just don't understand garb. Yeah. 100%. Like, I, I, in my mind, I feel like she, like, had a face mask on, too. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a green face mask that I'm... Maybe I'm just imagining her with a pizza all over her. Maybe I'm, like, you know, I'm confusing the two. But, yeah, so the, the babysitter walks in, and they're like, oh, brother, we gotta deal with this lady. And then they realize that the the goons have showed up, and they're trying to be kidnapped. But they just think they're, like, robbers at first, right? They're like, oh, we're just, like, this is just a home invasion. Like, let's have a little fun with our ninja skills. And then I also love that they have like that um, alarm system that alerts mm-hmm. them in their room yeah. uh, to intruders. I don't know. Do their parents know that's? I no, mean, their parents they... probably helped them install it. Like I don't. I think that their grandpa here? did at some point, and that they don't oh. know because they definitely use it to pretend to be in bed when like mom comes to check on them. Right. Also, that's a nice big home. Why are they all sharing a room? You'd think that they would all have their own rooms or something, right? Or at least the younger ones would be sharing. I mean, that's the one that's getting painted, maybe. That's the spare room oh, you that know, they're you're fixing so right. up right now. You're so right. Wow. You're holding Toomey like a gun right now. <laughs> Toomey's like purring like a small engine. She's having so much fun wreaking havoc. She's going full Temtem mode. <laughs> you're also full laser cats. Yeah, laser, very laser cat of you. <laughs> but there's like, they, they, they lock... The people in the room with the, with the shoestrings and like they just, it's very inventive. Like you said, it's very, it's definitely not as like intense as Home Alone, but it's very, I mean, hijinks ensue 100%. It's not as intense, but you get the sense even more than in Home Alone that they're in control of the situation. Like until, until they're not at some points, but it, I, at one point I wrote down, like, why won't they just let these guys die? This is cruel. <laughs> Dude, wait, th- sorry, there's one moment that I, that didn't occur to me as being like as violent as it is as a kid, but there's a moment where it's either Colt or Rocky, it might even be Tum Tum, ties a necktie around Fester. Yeah. And leaps over the banister and like, basically like hangs him. Correct. Yes, there's a couple different things that happen in this whole set piece that happen in other movies fatally. <laughs> like that, you know, like specifically like throwing somebody off a balcony with something tied around their neck happens in like a bunch of movies. And like, at one point, I think Tom Tom gores one of the intruders with taxidermy like and get out. Yeah, yeah. The pepper bombs, that's kind of a smart thing you know where they're making those um with like all those different spices and whatever and they throw them at the guy's faces and then they give them the x-lax it's like all you know it's the one-two punch yeah you get them really spicy and then you trick them into drinking stuff will give them instant diarrhea it's in the book of ninja that's number one make them poop i was i i was (laughs) thinking that 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 is like a revenge tactic. It's like a hallmark of 90s cinema. Like there was just something about like laxatives and making people shit that, um, like American Pie. Yeah. Or Dumb and Dumber. It just, it captured the public imagination. There was so much, uh, opportunity in forcing someone to, you know, have a blowout. It's one thing to be physically harmed, but there is nothing more vulnerable than the feeling of like, you're about to shit your pants, you know? Like, I, I'd rather have someone punch me in, in the mouth than than have explosive diarrhea. Which happens think, in the movie. Like, uh, one, the kids are going to punch one of the, the guys in the stomach, and he's like, please, not the stomach. And they punch him in the face, and he's like, thank you. And yeah, just, yeah. 
collapses and shits himself in peace. Poor guy. But wait, Thomas, I just realized this is the second martial arts movie we've covered on this show that has the heroes giving people laxatives as part of their plan. Because that happens in um, Return to 36 Chambers as well. Oh shit! You're right. <laughs> There's a whole scene where they, where he, when he's trying to sneak into the to the Shaolin Temple, is his first plan is to get the guy to shit himself so he takes off his Shaolin robes so he can steal them and and go in in disguise. You're right. Yeah, these are two pillars of authenticity um, in the larger martial arts canon. Um, I would watch both. Yeah, po- definitely popular trope. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's the. It is really interesting. Like, yeah, you don't, you aren't as stressed out as you are, like, as a kid, even watching Home Alone. Well, cause it's, it's also like three on three. Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's a fair fight. It's not just Kevin against two adults. It's the brothers helping each other out, and then it's like the three. I mean, they seem also less. They seem more doofy than than the Wet Bandits. You know, the Wet Bandits seem like genuinely scary, even though Joe Pesci's, you know, five five on a good day but a good day. you know <laughs> but yeah i think it's just like i said i think they're unassuming enough and i think the fact that they do make those comments about they seem like nice kids let's give them some saw you're like okay maybe they're not all bad <laughs> like as a child watching come it. here you idiot yeah i love how people so talk to the 90s man <laughs> Uh, this is that is how this movie is how i learned what a fender bender is oh yeah when it's like fender bender shut like, up I was like, not you <laughs> not you the kids i thought but i think when i first learned what a fender bender was i thought it was you had to hit a police car for it to be a <laughs> specifically it's an achievement <laughs> specifically a police car that is a fender bender you do to get extra points for that for sure I do, I, I do love how these Valley Boys talk. Like, at one point, Fester says something about, like, Providence shining its heavenly light upon them. Providence has shined its lovely light upon us. That's it. It, it's like the same way that like Bill and Ted talk. Like, the original, like, surfer dude Spicoli wasn't quite as, like, forsoothy as, like, the later, like, versions of the character became. I wonder what that is. Like, is that how Valley Boys talked? What's going on? Oh, I'm sure. Well, it's funny because it's like, are they Valley Boys or are they surfer dudes? There's like, you know. Yeah, that's true. They, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're somewhere in the middle because they did, They, I mean, they were ogling at a surfboard centerpiece at one point, so. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're looking at Surf Babes magazine. I will say, the West Valley is closer to Malibu than I am right now. Like, you mm. can do both. You're absolutely... You're absolutely right. You could just take the PCH right there, and you're and you're you're good. What time school get out? I don't know. I never stayed till the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one scene where Rocky felt very, very child actory, and it's like when they were. It's like at the set piece when they're talking about like splitting up, and he's like. Colt, you do this. Da da da. And it was just like, oh, he's very, very, very child actor right now. You know, which like they're they're honestly pretty good. Like for the most part, I think Colt might be the strongest one of all of them. Tum Tum, you're sort of like, oh, you're like actually a child. <laughs> but Rocky, Rocky was a little, like I said, yeah. There were some moments where you're like, oh, you're very landed on pretty yeah. thick with the child actorness of it all right now. This is working really well for you in Sunny D commercials, but on the big screen. <laughs> 
You got to yeah. dial the performance down a little bit. This is your big break, okay? Don't fuck it up. Cinema. Cinema. I have a question about the ending of the movie. Did the version you watched have a final, like, neighborhood confrontation with the bullies? Yeah. Yes. The version I had as a kid, and I don't think I'm making this up, ended when they're, like, rescued after the conflict on the boat. And Sam's like, we're all going for pizza. And it, like, cuts to credits from there. There's not... I think there, it said something about that being the international version because, and it's very, it's very confusing because they're in the outfits that they were in during the basketball tussle. And so you're like, if, if it really were like, am I supposed to believe that this is a new day or am I supposed to believe that like, for whatever reason, they've gone back to the part and they're getting their bikes back. But I, I agree. I, I don't think I'm really trying to rack my brain if it's like a Mandela effect type thing, but I do not remember that as, as a kid. Yeah. I don't think it's in the home video release I watched. And I also don't think I like it. Like, I I don't really like what, what is that? Like, because the idea is not that they're just sort of like fighting to like show off their skills and like assert their dominance in the neighborhood. So like, why, why does it end with them beating up the neighbor kids? I, I, I don't know. Maybe like international audiences wanted there to be some conf, like some resolution with, with the, with the bike stealing of it all. Mm. They were like, what do you mean the kids needed their bikes back? Yeah. I think Those they had to like kids. confront the, I'm sure the idea is like in the confront the police. My, my feeling is that. The international version, which is the version I saw, is the way that, like, they wanted it to be released, but they had to cut some of the more violent parts and some of the more imitatable acts. So they cut, like, the liquor store robbery, and they cut the uh, beating up the bullies, and, like, one more one more scene that had, like, extra violence in it. Mm. I mean, the liquor store, like, they actually shoot at the liquor store owner. I was like... They do. They, they like, yeah. shoot liquor bottles and they explode wild yeah it is a very gun heavy movie which is especially funny when it's also supposed to be about like ninja skills like the ninjas are literally fighting a bunch of fbi guys with guns and winning like sam or not sam uh their their dad like turns around and like sees a ninja behind him and like puts his gun down to punch the ninja he's like okay we're not using guns that's fine i'll go to fisticuffs i suppose that's very cute. Yeah. The FBI is pretty dumb in this movie. <laughs> Not like real life. <laughs> right. I, I love that it does end where, you know, obviously uh, they seem to have some, what of an absentee father. Father puts it, his career first and he's like, let's go get pizza. I'm like, your kids have had a, tr- like, they've had a very traumatic evening. But when you're, you know, when you're like seven or eight and your parents want to go get pizza, you're like, yeah. But it's like, they're going to need therapy for sure after dealing with what they just went through. That's why I was like so surprised that his partner was like, we've got a lot of evidence to collect. He's like, my kids were kidnapped, you freak. I'm not doing this. But it is also like, how much evidence really can there be to collect? It's like the <laughs> FBI knew everything they could possibly need yeah. to know. Like Snyder's just like elbow dropping nuclear warheads and they've got their giant boat parked in the harbor. There's, there's no one's keeping anything under wraps. Yeah. It's like, are you going to inventory the warheads on the ninja boat? Like that can wait. You can have pizza first. It is fucking funny that Snyder opens that box with his elbow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Like, that's how you know that he's going to be a weird ninja. Like, that's how the the concept of uh, there being, like, evil ninjas as well as good ninjas, that this is just a world where the ninja quotient is higher than the real world. <laughs> um, you're like, oh, I see. There's a bad ninja, too. Very well. Okay, then. It's very yin and yang. I mean, with good comes evil or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> You know? Hey, a ninja loves the environment. I learned, if I learned one thing from this movie. Yeah. It's the ninja loves his environment environment. because he is one with his environment. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing how quickly moments of like extreme tension in this movie just like dissipate with like goofy dialogue. Like after Snyder comes and like almost beats the shit out of Maury, he's like mad at the kids and they're like, well, grandpa, remember, a ninja should ever never be overconfident and Maury's like oh you're right and they all just sort of like laugh <laughs> and it like wipes to the next scene the stakes are always lower than you would expect my favorite yeah. stakes lowering moment is on the boat when they have just escaped from like the hold that they were in and all of a sudden they are confronted with like a guy in like full kabuki makeup like he seems to be like maybe the the star ninja. Like he's like one level high. He's like a mini boss essentially. He's like the kooky guy they let out of his room when they got something to deal with. Yeah, he's Ichi the killer. He only comes in <laughs> for specific like pervert murders, and that's it. <laughs> and it seems like there's going to be a whole standoff, but then I think it's Colt just opens a steam valve on his face, and then they pull down his pants. And he's wearing like <laughs> giant cartoon boxers. <laughs> That's like the most Scooby Doo <laughs> shit in the movie, um, yeah. which I love. There should be more Scooby Doo in the boat escape. But the the thing that made me laugh the most as a kid is after they open the valve in his face and then pants him, he's like squatting down to like cover himself, and so he's like at Tum Tum's level, and Tum Tum gets down and punches him in the face, and it's like the goofiest punch <laughs> sound you've ever heard in the movie, and just this like goofy kid with a bowl cut. Deeply satisfying when you're like a dumb child. Yeah, good movie. I remember being like legit scared of the Kabuki guy. Yeah. Like he was like when you're watching that as like a, I don't know how old I was, like six, five or six. You're like, oh my God. So he, he you know, he did the job for me. I was genuinely scared. I, I do, I have to say Tum Tum's bowl cut can't be understated as like part of the, the mise-en-scene that really makes this movie funny. <laughs> Cause he just like, he has this like physicality of like a wild animal. Cause he's always like rifling around trying to find more snacks, but he has like a mo from the Three Stooges bowl cut. I just, so it's just like you're watching like a raccoon and karate gi and a Three Stooges wig, just like. <laughs> run around this place in the valley it's incredible tum tum reminds me of are you a a real housewives of salt lake city watcher i am not a salt lake city watcher but i have to write about it a lot for work so i'm a salt lake city aware of her so there's a line from uh a couple episodes ago so there's a woman on the show lisa barlow who is a huge proponent proponent of um fast food loves fast food she's always eating taco bell del taco big gulps from 7-Eleven, everything. And there's another woman on the show who tells Lisa that she doesn't give her family nutrients. And that's how I feel about Tum Tum. I'm like, Tum Tum has no nutrients. nutrients. Tum Tum only eats licorice and jelly beans. And I worry, I'm, how can a ninja 
like you need nutrients to be a proper ninja. You need a balanced diet and he has, he does not have that whatsoever. So I, I fear for the, for the uh, Tum Tum's ninja future. It's actually, it's sorry. It's canon that Tum Tum dies on his 10th birthday. So no, (laughs) Oh, I was going to say it's, it's actually like hugely, I think it's hugely optimistic for his ninja career because he's going to eat like one vegetable and get like laser vision. <laughs> like if he's this good of a ninja now when he's running on nothing but like Twizzlers, imagine what happens when he eats iron for the first time and like gets bone strength. He's going to be able to punch through walls. They do make that veggie stir fry at the beginning. That's true. I, I, that's probably the only nutrients Tum Tum gets that is not pure sugar the whole time if anybody is looking for good like warrior food warrior diet rex there's this soup that sumo wrestlers make to eat that um i got on a kick of eating for a while it's like a really clean broth and then you just put every vegetable and like tofu and like maybe shrimp like you put like a cook three different proteins three different vegetables and it's just that there's like there's no noodles in it it's just like every vegetable and tofu and like one of the like meat maybe in dashi and you just eat like like gallon bucket of it every day and that's like how you so is it so this is from three ninjas cookbook right <laughs> yes <laughs> three ninjas this is from back. this is from tum tum's cookbook that he did later in life to like ride the success of three ninjas he did a cooking tour when we say later in right. life age nine yeah yeah right before <laughs> right before you know what happened <laughs> Tum Tum's a walk to remember is just putting that cookbook together <laughs> before he eats. <laughs> Don't make the same mistake I did, kids. <laughs> well, it's crazy. So a subplot of uh, High Noon at Mega Mountain actually is it's a Make-A-Wish trip for <laughs> Tum since he's since he's terminal. Uh, when, he's I said, uh, <laughs> when I said Tum Tum died from eating too much candy, I was actually just, um, uh, I was lying. He falls uh, out of a roller coaster. <laughs> oh right. Abs- yeah 100 tatsu yeah. tatsu malfunctions it's that's one where you're laying down and it just opens and he just plummets <laughs> the teens didn't track check i can't talk the teens didn't check his straps well enough and he just the, Valen- the valencia teens <laughs> that was that was filmed at magic mountain i love that magic mountain is like the one theme park in los angeles that's like Oh, yeah, like, you can film there. Like, never in a million years would you be able to close down Disneyland or anything like that. Magic Mountain, they're like, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we can close down our whole operation for an entire day and for the Kardashians or whatever, or the Bachelor, whoever wants to come film. Or Three Ninjas. If anyone's looking for a theme park, you can shut down Adventureland in Altoona, Iowa. I think they'd let you shoot there for, like, $100. <laughs> they're like, yeah, just tag us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, they don't know what Instagram is. <laughs> they're like put a few flyers up in your hometown (laughs) a hundred dollars and ten flyers (laughs) oh my god yeah i uh i i've definitely seen um like i said i said i've seen knuckle up which that one has like a native american sub i mean it's about a native american like Something about like toxic waste being dumped into an American uh, yes, Native American perfect. landfill Tasteful, or something. Done respectfully, I'm excited. And of course, I, I I don't think they're even referred to as Native Americans throughout the entire movie because I watched the trailer last night just like out of like oh yeah yeah they're not using Native American. Let's just say that. So I haven't watched it since I was a kid, but uh, I know what I'm doing next. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, you absolutely should. Yeah. And and it's funny too. I think from from the trailer rewatching it last night, like everything like hinges on a disc. They're like, we have to get the disc. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the disc has the information of like the toxic waste that's being dumped or something. The disc like that, is going to stop the toxic but- runoff. That. I thought this was the most 90s movie that could exist with, like, rocket launchers and ninjas, but maybe floppy disks and toxic waste and a vague gesture towards Native American rights is even more 90s. (laughs) Like, a vague environmentalist theme. The disk probably is, like, one megabyte or something. One kilobyte. I don't even know. But yeah, I, I remember liking that one a lot, too. And I definitely, like I said, when... And I again, this is something that I... In my memory of the Three Ninja movies, it was Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas Kick Back, and then Three Ninjas Knuckle Up. Because I remember Kick Back has a non has an off brand Rocky, <laughs> and then Knuckle Up has regular Rocky. But for so in my mind, it was like, oh, Rocky just didn't come back for the second one, but then he came back for the third one. So I always thought that was weird. But like looking back, I think Knuckle Up did technically come out before Kick Back. So I was just very thrown off last night. Like my, you know, I, I was something I had believed my whole life. I was, I think, proven wrong last night. So that was very jarring. And then Hulk Hogan plays Rocky in Mega Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Young Rocky. He plays young Rocky. I do want to rewatch that because I bet Hulk Hogan's performance is fucking nuts. I haven't <laughs> seen it since I was a kid. No, he's so measured. What are you talking about? I just never made it around to that one. Like I said, off-brand Rocky. No, thank you. Well, I think that one is on HBO Max, so... Oh. High Noon at Mega Mountain is? Mm-hmm. It's annoying that it's, like, it's called High Noon at Mega Mountain, and so it's, like, invoking, I don't know, Western tropes, but, like, I don't think the movie does anything with that. I th- anyway. I think hat on a hat at that point, if you're doing a Ninja plus Theme Park plus Pro Wrestler plus cowboy stuff that's crazy even for this franchise i mean it just sounded cool high high noon at mega mountain like that just sounds legit dude they should have called it three ninjas getting high at mega mountain <laughs> could you guys fucking imagine i want a movie that's, that's just that's the reboot i want like a richard linkladder movie that is just marcus Faster and Hammer extremely high at Mega Mountain. Um, and the movie is just like a freewheeling hangout. I, 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 I think, I think that's a movie. Yeah. Like they, they start to rob something and then they get distracted and don't like nothing bad happens. They <laughs> They're too sort of- high to complete whatever <laughs> yes. they set out to do. And so they just kind of, I don't know, meander. I mean, the Disney Plus reboot of this would definitely be of them. I mean, they're doing, I mean, speaking of John Turtletop, they're doing a National Treasure reboot show type thing on, on Disney Plus. So but Cage isn't in gonna, it, right? No. Catherine Zeta-Jones is going to be in it at random, but, but it like, what are you going to do? Is, it is, it, it's like so quintessentially Cage. Like his like goofy commitment to like the weird lore of those movies is like what, carries it i'm hoping that maybe this will lead into a theatrical national treasure like if the national treasure show pops off enough they'll be like oh actually like because i think there is a third one that's like sitting around so sure maybe if the show does well enough we'll get a cage and then you can fold in the people from the show too i would not mind that at all but um 
But yeah, I think the Disney Plus reboot of Three Ninjas would definitely, I mean, you got to have Fester, or at least Fester's kids or his nephew, you know what I mean? Like, carry the legacy. Three Ninjas, Fester's origin. Fester's pride. Story. <laughs> or, Fe- yeah, Fester's origin story. How did he become a Valley Stoner kid? I want to know. Real quick, John Turtletop, Nicolas Cage, Walt Disney... Uh, if you guys are listening right now, I've actually specced a National Treasure 3, and it's better than anything any of you have ever made. Uh, so just DM the show. What are they stealing in it? I can't tell you, because uh, oh, okay. then the thing that our listeners would be stealing is my idea. <laughs> your your IP. Yeah. Your IP belongs to you. Uh, but no, big National Treasure heads. It's it, That's a movie that we have to do at some point on the podcast. Oh, for sure. Oh, that for is... Sure. That is an excellent movie like that is one of those movies whenever it's on tv i will throw it on yeah and it is usually i've watched national treasure i've put national treasure on at a bar before at a great time that's that's an absolute bar movie the thing that is most striking about that now many years removed from its release is that riley's jeans are huge (laughs) riley's jeans in that movie the like the little boy sidekick yeah yeah his jeans are way too big. The fact that they're <laughs> running around and he's not tripping on those jeans, movie magic. That's Hollywood. My absolute favorite scene is when they're in Urban Outfitters buying clothes yes. in Philadelphia. Yes. That is the best. That is like my absolute favorite scene. And he uses the water bottle to like look at the clock. And then Riley, they're like, oh man, we missed the time on the clock because they figured that was a clue. And Riley's like, daylight savings time didn't go into whatever. So the clock is right. And like, that's like truly one of my favorite scenes in cinema. It's such a fun genre of movie. There should be more kind of like adventure romps like that. It's too bad the Da Vinci Code movie like doesn't have a sense of humor. Because if that shit was goofy, it would be like my favorite movie. I've heard The Lost Symbol is pretty goofy. The Apple Plus show. I didn't know that existed. I didn't know they went Dan Brown. Yeah, they damned the whole Brown. Shit. Well, you know, I gotta watch Inferno, so I'll put that on my list. We got stuff to do, man. So uh, when your eventual National Treasure episode does come out, just know my take on National Treasure is that it's about optimism. 100%. That is my biggest takeaway from National Treasure. Because it's like, he keep, Benjamin Gates keeps looking for this thing and everyone keeps telling him, no, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. It doesn't exist. And he keeps going and it exists. And it's about optimism. 100%. So just keep... Keep that nugget in your brain and, and go from there. That's true of, like, most of Turtle Tob's movies. Like, this one, you know, believe in your ninja self, you can do it. Uh, cool running. While you were sleeping. While you're sleeping. The Meg, you know, believe in yourself and you can be a really <laughs> big shark. Uh, phenomenon. John Travolta, keep believing in yourself. Your career will come back and, uh, you know, disappear just as quickly as it reemerged. Phenomenon and Michael are, like, the same movie to me. Like, yeah, there is no difference in between those two movies, in my eyes. I've seen. I saw Michael in theaters for reasons that are unclear to me. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't know what Michael is. Michael is the one where he's, he's an, an, angel. an angel. Who's in that? Is Travolta in that as well? Yeah, Travolta yes. is the angel, and then it's Nora Ephron, right? I can't. I believe. I think you. It, I'm like. I believe you. It's like. 
I'm like 90% sure that's that sounds like a movie that my mom and one of my three sisters probably loved and watched when I was growing up so I'm sure I've seen that at some point it's like he's an angel but he smokes and he like swears and and it's like is he actually an angel like oh my he says that he is and it's it's this whole thing so I always kind of I get those two movies confused (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I can watch a movie about a cigarette-smoking angel without questioning everything (laughs) I've uh, come to believe about the Judeo-Christian God. Yeah. Well, absolutely, I I understand. Let me see if this does anything for you. It's a slight spoiler, but at the end of the movie, they're at, like, a exhibit for Michelangelo, and, (laughs) like, the camera pans over the title of Michelangelo, and it cuts off the O, and says Michelangelo. That's good. That's good. I'm going to watch. I'm adding this to my letterboxd watch list as we speak. I hope that is not rude. I haven't seen it, but would that be a good bar movie or no? No, because I think it's mostly just people going, are you an angel? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. You tell me. I don't remember what happened as he lights a cigarette and like, wait, look at the dog. Feather falls out of his coat. Look at the dog in the corner of the poster. (laughs) Look at this layout. Holy shit. If you're listening, look at the Michael poster on Letterboxd. If you're listening, thank you so much for listening. I think that we've truly covered it all now that we've talked about the end (laughs) of the movie Michael. (laughs) I think we've really covered Three Ninjas if we've gotten to the final shot of the film Michael. (laughs) The Three Ninjas to Michael pipeline. We've all been there. We're radicalizing you slowly but surely. I do think, though, that this is... This is watching movies at the bar. I think when the conversation really begins to just like veer off <laughs> wildly, really go off, yeah. but but I, I'm I'm always along for the ride. So future guests go wild. Find a way to bring up Michael in every episode <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> um, Amanda, where can people find you online? People can find me. I'm at a Hassica on Twitter and Instagram, and then also Disney, at Disneyland Foodies. We are always posting. There's always new foods at, at Disneyland, and there's to me, there's no better place to eat and drink and enjoy yourself than a theme park. So, yes, you can find me there. And Thomas, what about you? You're on Twitter. I am on Twitter, yeah. You can find me there at uh, handsome underscore pal. And the show also has a Twitter, which is at moviebarpod. Bethy, I've heard that you are on Twitter, mm-hmm. that you're putting up heat almost every day. And that you're verified. Every day that I am not hacked, I'm putting up heat. <laughs> Those hack tweets were good, though, too. <laughs> I guess they were DMs mostly. But. Mostly DMs, but they were quality work. Um, I'm at BethyBSQU on Twitter and at Bethy Squires on Instagram. And the show has an Instagram, which is at moviebar underscore pod. And as always, remember, a ninja respects his parents. Watching Movies at the Bar is edited by Colin Jenkins with show art by Lindsay Farrell. And that theme you hear at the top, that's Quentin Mulligan. Yeah, oh my.